All right. I, I believe I've got a word of, of encouragement. You're going to be blessed tonight. I want to help you. We're going to talk tonight about the hand you've been dealt. We're going to talk about things that have happened to you in life. We're going to talk about the hand that you have been dealt. And uh, we're going to talk about the great mysteries of life tonight. I want you to wrestle with them a little bit. I have got a good word for you tonight. Um, the hands that we've all been dealt differently in life without asking are different. And that's one of the great mysteries of life. And we looked last Sunday at the life of Joseph, a man that had been dealt a rough hand. There's no doubt about it. But, uh, and let me take just a minute for those of you who weren't here to review. This is a man who was born into a, a great family, but his father had no confidence in him. His brothers despised him and hated him and sold him into slavery. He didn't ask for that. His employer, after he did a tremendous job for his employer, his employer was misguided and hurt him and threw him in prison. His dear friend forgot about him and turned his back on him. This man was dealt a very rough hand in life, a very rough hand in life. It, it, matter of fact, life was very unfair to him. People talk a lot about what's fair today. Uh, we're going to be talking about life being fair. This life was not fair to this young man, but let me tell you what happened because he stayed out of bitterness and he didn't get jealous and he put his faith in God and he walked right before God, God leveled the playing field and turned things around. And we're going to look at the great verse. We read it Sunday. Let's look at it again. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, that says this, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about. It is this day to save many people alive. Uh, you can change the word God meant it for good. Really, the better Hebrew word would be God used it for good. So this verse is one of the great truths that you could say this verse like this. I was dealt a not good hand. You dealt me a bad hand. But my faith in God turned that hand around and God has blessed me and raised me up and used me to help people. And that's the message of the hand you were dealt and how things happen to us in life in certain ways. All right, let, let's talk about this a little bit. Number one, uh, we might as well go ahead and just settle the issue. Equality in life is a myth. You need, we just need to forget the equality thing. It just don't work, dear ones. Now, I appreciate people who try to work for justice, but life is not fair. Let's just go ahead and deal with it. Life is not fair. Equality is a myth. And there's two reasons. Number one, life deals unfairly with you. And I'm going to say something here that people struggle with, but I'm going to show you in scripture. God does not deal fairly with people. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. I maybe know it's okay to wrestle with some things that a lot of people like to have cut and dried real easy. Sometimes we get this little pre-packaged, cut and dried Christianity. We got it all figured out. We got our heavenly father in this little tiny box. And then all of a sudden along comes this thing called scripture. And it just messes up our little pre-packaged neat program. Well, this is the scripture that just messes up our little pre-packaged program. I'm going to say it again. Our heavenly father does not deal with people fairly. He doesn't mete out things fairly. Let's look in Matthew chapter 25 at this. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. The Bible says this, the kingdom of heaven, you don't know what the kingdom of heaven is? How God works in the earth. It has nothing to do with going to heaven after you die. Anytime you see kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, Jesus is talking about how the spirit of God works in the earth, how God works in the earth. All right, the kingdom of heaven is like, where you see the word like means, now let, let me, I hate to take the time to do this, he says, I'm fixing to paint you a picture so you can understand how God works with people. I'm fixing to show you how God deals with people. That's what it means the kingdom of heaven is like. And he's making up a story to help me and you understand how God deals with different people. Let's read it. The kingdom of heaven is like, verse 14, a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Who's the man? That's our heavenly father, that's God traveled to a far country. Who are the servants? That's me and you. And delivered his goods to them. He's given everybody something. Listen, God's given everybody in this room something. All right. But now watch this. The next verse says this. Verse 15. To one, he gave five talents. 
to another two and to another one. Who did the giving here? God did the giving. Can you see that God did not deal with people fairly? Here's a person and talent here is, it literally means a sum of money, but we're not talking about money here. Can you see that God gave this man five times as much as he gave this man? Well, that's not fair. He doesn't deal with everybody. Not everybody gets given the same thing in life. And sometimes we, but can you see where he's dealing here? You know what it means not dealt a fair hand. It goes back to card games where you get a hand, you go, this is terrible. I can't win with this. Your hand's better than mine. You you understand what the, the picture is here. Can you see here where God gives this guy five units, talents, gifts, whatever you want to call them? He only gave this person two. Then he only gave this person one. Dear ones, God doesn't hand stuff out fairly, equally to everybody. All right. <clears throat> For instance, we, we could look all through scripture and you could see, uh, we talked about Joseph. Do you think Joseph was given a fair hand in life? No. And you know, his family was against him. His employer was against him. His friend turned his back on him. But take a guy like Moses. Moses was given a perfect hand in life. He was born in poverty. A queen saw him, made him her son, raised him in royalty, gave him the greatest education. Everything went his way. Moses screwed his own life up. Now, Joseph was different. Joseph was handed a rough hand. People did him wrong. Moses did himself wrong. And yet the king used them both. So I just want to say this. Not everybody gets dealt a fair hand. Now, I need to do a, a, a clarification from Scripture here concerning how he deals. Our Heavenly Father never authors evil. A lot of people say, we don't know why God did this. You look right here. God didn't do that. The Bible is very clear in the book of James. He tempts no man with evil. He has never done anything evil. I hear people, I don't understand this, Christians who own, they're supposed to own Bibles. And they'll say things like, I have no idea why God gave me cancer, but I'm going to use it for His glory. When did God start giving people cancer? This Bible is very clear that Satan is the author of disease. God's never given anybody cancer in His life. You can't find anything in here that points toward that. Uh, listen, now when I'm talking about dealing unfairly, God Almighty has never put a young girl in a home with an evil stepfather and caused that man to molest her. You understand what I'm saying? He is not the author of evil. However, he doesn't author everything equally. The same God that causes a baby to be born in the Sudan where they don't have enough food to eat in that house is the same God who will cause a baby to be born in North Carolina where parents have an abundance. So it's not fair. Life's not fair. To some he gives five, to some he gives two, to some he gives one. He'll cause another baby to be born to a single mother. Let's put her in North Carolina who can barely feed her children. We need to get over this thing that life's supposed to be fair. Uh, not everybody's dealt the same hand. And uh, we got some of us are dealt great hands in life. Some people are just dealt. You just look at them and go, you lucky, you blessed, whatever. Some people are dealt great hands. They're, they're, uh, I think the greatest hand you can be dealt in life is to be born into a good family. You have nothing to do with the family that you're born into. How many of you know you did not pick your family? All right. But some people are just born into great families that love them and care for them. They had nothing to do with it. That's just the hand you were dealt. You've you got great parents. They love you. They've got resources. They care about you. They devote their lives to you. Some people are born... Uh, with great perfect health and they got these great genes and they eat bacon and smoke and drink whiskey and live to be 92 and never burp and it just you didn't do that that's just the hand you were dealt you just blessed to be born with great health some people are born into great wealth and their families we call it privilege they can afford anything for them they can afford nice stuff put the kids in private schools get the greatest medical you didn't do that it's just the kindness of God when you're dealt like that. Other folks are born with great opportunities. And uh, not everybody's born with the same opportunity. And you had nothing to do with it. It's just the way you're born. All right, now listen to this one. Some people are born with great giftedness. I mean, they got this great gift to sing, write music. They're very intelligent. Some people just don't have, they're just not born. It's just, life is not fair. It's not equal. 
I grew up, I had a buddy. We grew up together. We played sports together. Uh, we, our pictures are together in the annual, playing with each other there. We played basketball on Sunday afternoons together. And like every young boy in high school, I wanted to, I wanted to play pro ball one day. Everybody wants to do that <clears throat> until you see that they don't make much money. So I wanted to play pro ball. And uh, he and I were, the, we were buddies and we were the same size, same speed, same competitiveness, same work ethic, but God gave him a little something that God didn't give me. He had this hand-eye coordination that was so good. And uh, it wasn't because he was smarter. He didn't earn it. It's just God gave it to him. And I just didn't have the, the great hand-eye coordination that he had, which you need to play at an elite level. So we got out of high school, went to college. I went to Garden Web. He went to Clemson. He went on to become one of the great receivers in the NFL Matter of fact, he, he's still known for the greatest catch ever made in the NFL. If you Google the catch, you'll see him right there. And, you know, he just, he didn't work for that. He didn't, God just gave him that. He was just born with that thing that I didn't quite have. Well, I wasn't bitter or jealous. I was proud for him. And then all of a sudden in our early fifties, it took a turn and he developed a disease called ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And he died a fairly young man why am I alive and he's not alive? He didn't ask for that. I didn't do anything to, then his life is just not fair. And the hands we get dealt are just the hands we get dealt. Uh, some people are, I just don't understand. Some people are born into not so good families and it's just not, that's why I think the greatest thing God ever can give you is let you be born into a family that'll take care of you. No money can buy a family. Other people are born with health issues. And this has always been one of the great mysteries people struggle with. Is God behind this? Why does this happen? One day in John chapter nine, the disciples were traveling with Jesus. They walked by a man who was born blind. And the disciples were like us. They had to have an answer for everything. And they asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, they thought that he was born blind. It was somebody's fault. Surely it's somebody's fault if you're born blind. Well, Jesus just answered and said, why do you ask such dumb questions? In and in that's the Southern Alamance version. Yeah. But Jesus said, nobody sinned here. His parents didn't sin for him to be born like that. Jesus said, get your mind off why it's like this. Jesus said, but that the works of God might be revealed in him. We're trying to figure out why things happen. Jesus wants to look at what could happen. And so some people, I've got friends that are born with health problems. I've, I've been very healthy all my life, been very blessed. I didn't earn that. That's just the kindness of God to me. And some people, you know, I've got a brother, I got one brother and he was born with crippling rheumatoid arthritis by the time he was two years old, been crippled all his life, suffered like I've ever seen few people suffer. Still, you know, he's 62 today and has just suffered terribly all his life. What, what is it because I'm good and he's bad? No, he's probably a better person than I am. But sometimes we get dealt hands we don't ask for. And it makes things very, uh, very rough with people. Po some people are born into poverty. It's not their fault. It's just the hand they got dealt. Some people are born with minimal giftedness. They, they just don't have the talents other people have. Listen, the hand you've been dealt is the hand you got. And uh, we get what we get. Now, <clears throat> let me go into the deep theology here. Why does this happen? Why is it that people get dealt different hands and some people seem so blessed and some are not? Well, I'm going to tell you what the answer is. I don't know. And let me help you right here with something. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children. There are certain things and we're just going to have to get to the point in life where we do not have to understand everything. It was First um, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says this, we know in part and we see things partially, but one day we will know as we're known. Nobody has perfect knowledge now. We, we sort of go through life trying to understand why things happen, but the Bible is very clear. There's certain things we're just not going to understand until we're perfected. There used to be an old song and I think we need to bring some of this thinking back and it went like this. We will understand it better by and by. But there's something about us. We just cannot stand not to understand. And we just want to know why. Well, dear ones, listen to me. It's good to study. It's good to want to know truth. Comes a place where you're just going to have to give up that you're going to understand everything. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six say this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Now, I see people so upset. Why did this happen, Brother Brian? Why did this man die? Why did that? Why does it? Let me quote to you Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. Be worried for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, listen to me carefully. You'll never have peace until you give up having to understand everything. When you reach the point where you can just, now I search the scriptures all the time. I want to know truth, but there's some things we're never going to understand. And I just say to my father, if you want me to know about this, show me. If you don't want to show me, I'm at peace. I trust you. And as long as you have to understand why everything's like it is, you're never going to have peace in life. You don't get the peace that passes understanding till you give up having to understand. That's why it's called the peace that passes understanding. And to be honest with you, it borders on arrogance having to know anything before you can be at peace. There's an entire book written about this in the Bible. Tell me the name of it. Job. Job was a righteous man. Terrible things happened to him. And the worst thing that happened to him was three preachers came to see him. In chapter four, three preachers show up and they spent 32 miserable long chapters explaining why things happen like they do in life. It will bore you to tears. And they're all nutty as a fruitcake. Finally, in chapter 36, God Almighty steps down and says, silence. Who is this who darkens counsel without wisdom? Let me ask you some questions. Where were you when I fastened the corners of the universe down? Answer me if you think you're so smart. And he went on to ask two or three chapters of questions himself. And finally, one of them said, I put my hand over my mouth. I've been talking about stuff I didn't know nothing about. What a great day it'll be when my experts put their hands over their mouths and say, I really don't know what I'm talking about. Dear ones, can we reach a place where we, we study to show ourselves approved? We seek the knowledge of God. But when it comes to the certain things that we can't understand, we just say, I trust you. You don't have to explain everything in life to me. I do need to know a few things. I need to know the name of Jesus. But there's certain things we just will not understand. And you're never going to have peace until you give up having to understand everything. I'll never forget. I'm just a young country preacher starting out. A dairy farmer came and sat down with me on the front porch when I could tell he was bothered. And I said, what's wrong, doc? He said, do you understand women? I'm not even going to tell you what I told him because I'm in enough trouble with people as it is. I don't even understand me. How many of you understand why you do what you do? All right. Listen to what I'm fixing to say. Life is not about the hand you're dealt. It's about how you play the hand you've been dealt. That's the whole message of the book of of, uh, with Joseph in Genesis. That man was dealt a bad hand. He could have been bitter and angry and mad at God and sat down, but he chose to stay in faith and trust God. He was dealt a bad hand, but the way he handled the hand he was dealt, God brought him on top. God put him on top. That's, listen, walk through the Bible. See if that's not what you see through the whole Bible. People were dealt bad hands, but the way you play the hand you're dealt... It's not about what you've been given or haven't been given. It's what you do with what you have been given. To some, he gave five talents. That man took the five talents and did something great with them. Another guy wasn't given near as much as he was. He didn't get near the hand this guy got, but he did something with what he was given. Both got the same reward. God blessed both of them. It's not about the hand you've been dealt. It's about what you do with it. I right, no matter what hand, I don't care you didn't have the family some people had. You don't have the resources. You didn't have a chance to go to school. People have done you wrong in life. There are great mysteries in life. I have one of my friends here this evening. I just got to say hey to her a minute ago. Wonderful young lady. Great family. And for no, all of a sudden in a freak, weird accent, her husband was taken away from her as a young woman. I can't explain that. The question is not, are we going to find out why that happened? The question is, what are you going to do now that it has happened? And she, she loved God. She's, her attitude has stayed great. She's been blessed beyond measure. It's not about what you have or don't have. It's about what you choose to do with what you've been given. It's about dealing with the hand you've been dealt. 
All right, we've got to make a decision with things that happen to us in life. Let me make an announcement. In case nothing unfair has ever happened to you, brace up. Life's not fair. And the quicker we get over this thing that until life gets fair, I can't be happy, you ain't never going to be happy. Are you going to make a decision in your life? You're going to do one of two things. When things don't go like you thought they should or you don't have what other people have, you can be aggrieved and bitter and jealous and you can choose self-pity, which leads to misery, which is my nation today. Everybody's marching and whining over things they didn't get and what everybody else has got that I don't have. And we're, we're making some foolish decisions in this nation today. We're going to tear this nation down over our jealousy for each other. And I know so many people whose lives are ruined. I've preached funerals of people who died young, too young before their time because they were bitter and could not get over it. it was, listen, bad, the, people ask me all the time, why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. You're not going to know. The question is not why do bad things happen. The question is what are you going to do when they do? You know what? I'm hung up on these days with my life. Why do good things happen to bad people? That's my story. Gosh almighty, why has he been so good to me? He should have flushed me years ago. All right. You're going to make a decision. You're either going to wallow in self-pity or let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to choose faith and you're going to trust God and you're going to trust what his word says. And you're going to say, no, I didn't get what they got. No, that was not fair. They didn't treat me right, but I'm going to trust God in this thing. And I'm going to choose faith and I'm going to stay in faith over this thing. And I'm going to trust him. Uh, listen, dear ones, it's okay to acknowledge I have not been handed the best hand. It's okay to say that. But it's also smart to acknowledge, but God is for me. A great verse, Romans 8, 31. If God be for us, what does it matter what hand you've been dealt? And, and we're still hung up on if I could have just had that or if, if they hadn't done that. Dear ones, you cannot erase the past, but you can decide God is for me. And you, I made up my mind years ago. I love Psalm 118, verse 5. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me, and the Lord set me in a wonderful place. Yes, we get in distress. Yes, bad things happen. But rather than whine and moan, I got in trouble the other day for calling it the piss and moan club. Rather than whine, I probably shouldn't have said that in church either. <laughs> Rather than whine and complain and be bitter and, let, and tell folks how rough you got it, it's better off to say, my God will even the score. And I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to call on the Lord in distress and trust that he, he will put me in a broad place or a wonderful place. I'm going to give you, uh, you know, we need a turnaround hand. All right, from scripture, I'm going to show you four things that we do to turn it around. And th this is called a turnaround hand. And how many times have I seen this happen where people were dealt really bad hands? I mean, I, I just sometimes I'm just in a, amazement at why have I had it so good and, and they've had it so rough? I don't understand that stuff. But I've watched it go both ways, loved ones. I've watched people that things that were not fair happened to them in life and the way they responded ruined their lives. But I've watched other people that had things happen to them and man, the way they responded raised them up. They had great lives. I had a, we were talking about him the other day. I had an associate pastor. Uh, his name was Jesse Crooks. Anybody know Jesse Crooks here? Jesse Crooks Ministries. He was an associate of mine years, years ago. And Jesse was born in Louisiana. He was born with cerebral palsy. Now, Jesse would be 80 years old now. So this is a long time back before they had stuff for folks with this. He was born with cerebral palsy, severe cerebral palsy. And uh, he, he couldn't walk. And he just, he just, you know, back then they just, folks like that were sort of put to the curb. And that's terrible. You know, why, why was he born with cerebral palsy and I'm born so healthy? You'll crack your egg trying to figure this stuff out. But he had a godly mama and he had a great family. And uh, he said, I he told me I learned to walk when I was three. Actually, he said, I didn't want to walk, but I didn't have a choice. Because my mother made my sisters get me by the elbow and they would run me up and down the halls and I had to walk or just rub all the skin off my knees. And they were determined, my mama was determined, you're gonna have a life. Well, they didn't let kids like me go, him go back to school then. You just stayed with your mama. You never went to school. He said, my mama took me to school. 
I said, you're going to school, little country school. And he said, I, and the first day I went, all the kids laughed. I said, I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk. So they laughed at me. He said, I went home crying. And she said, you're going, he said, I'm never going back. She said, you're going back tomorrow. And she said, when they laugh, laugh with them. Thank God for mamas who, you know what I mean? So <laughs> Jesse, I mean, his mama was determined he was going to live whether he liked it or not. Right, he goes to school and uh, he just learned to laugh with people. He, didn't, he, got the, he said, my mama would not allow a chip on my shoulder. Said she would not allow any bitterness. When I'd complain, how come they can play ball and I can't? She said, I don't hear another word of that. God's been good to you. He'd say, yes, ma'am. I mean, he just, he had, no, he had just a, somebody helped him with his attitude, kept him out of a pity party. And Jesse just, he just grew up. She loved God, taught him about Jesus. And he, you know, he, he gotten, he just became, he was voted most popular boy in his high school class. Right, he, he said, he got to high school, he'd play football. So I'm gonna play football. I told the coach, said, I wanna join the football team. He said, you can't even walk, son. <laughs> Somebody's mom has been teaching somebody something here, hadn't he? He said, so the, they, <laughs> he said, son, but with your attitude, I'll find a place for you. So they made me the water boy. Well, back then you didn't have Gatorade and all that fancy mess like you got now. You had an old wooden Coca-Cola crate. Y'all remember that? Had slots in it. And they had uh, paper cups and they put water in there and a strap and I'd put that around my neck and I was the water boy. They'd call time out. <laughs> my job was to go out there and give them water. But the problem was I was so slow by the time I got out there, time out was over, but it didn't matter because trying to run, I joggled all the water out anyway. <laughs> But he was not dealt a fair hand in life, but he, ne he just never would give in and uh, decided he wanted to go to college. They refused him in the entrance to get in college because he couldn't talk. He found a speech therapist that did a special speech therapy with him and taught him how to talk. She put peanut butter around the outside of his mouth and made him lick it off over and over and over. And that strengthened his tongue where he could talk. He said, I, it strengthened my tongue so that I could talk. He said, I gained 105 pounds in the process. <laughs> but he went on to college, went on and earned a master's degree. And he was graduating. And this girl from North Carolina came to school. He met her. She came to get her master's degree. He decided, heck, I'll just hang around and get another master's degree since you're going to be here. He did that. And then, and then, uh, he just had the greatest life and he's had the greatest career and he's influenced so many people. He could have sat on his butt and felt sorry about himself the whole time. That man was not dealt a fair hand, but he played his hand as well as anybody I've ever known. And uh, we, we had the best time. You couldn't understand what he was saying hardly. You had to really pay attention. We had the best time. I'll just tell you, we, he came out to the house one day, him and Linda going to come have dinner. And it was about 23 steps up our mountain house to get up there and I always sort of walked behind him because you never knew whether he was coming down or not. And we got about halfway up and I didn't know that some wasps had built a nest in the handrail and he rammed his hand up in that thing and they lit him up and he starts going all over the place. You couldn't understand him when he wasn't hurting. And now he's babbling. I don't know whether he's hurt. I don't know whether he's having a Holy Ghost fit and speaking in tongues. I didn't know what he was doing. So I just picked him up and throwed him over my shoulder. Took him all the way up there. But he, he's a man that just became a model and, and touched so many lives. And he's had the greatest life because instead of feeling sorry for himself, he said, this is the hand I've been dealt, but I'm going to trust God to do something with it. And he made great decisions in his life. Listen, it's okay to acknowledge maybe things hadn't been the way they should have been for me, but I'm not going to sit down and feel sorry for myself. I'm going to trust God to balance the score and to change. All right, let me give you four things real quick. Number one. You have to make a decision. I'm going to use the word decision over and over. You are not a victim. If God Almighty is who he says he is, you are not a victim. You're only a victim if you choose. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to cut to the chase on this thing. You can be a victor or you can be a victim, but you'll never be both. And it's your choice. You can feel sorry for yourself or you can be, walk in victory. You cannot be pitiful and powerful at the same time. All boils down to a decision. We got to get this crap out of our heads that it, I can't help it. Yes, you can. Number one, you have to refuse self-pity, which leads to what? What does self-pity always lead to? Jealousy over what somebody else has got. 
I don't understand this problem with jealousy today that everybody wants what everybody else has got. Did y'all not know that made the top 10? People don't realize that wanting what somebody else has got is in the top 10. You know what I'm talking about the top 10, don't you? All right, thou shalt not murder. I might even know we shouldn't murder. I'm asking y'all some easy questions. We shouldn't murder. I can't get an amen out of we shouldn't murder. That's number five. Um, excuse me, that's number six. Five is uh, honor your parents. We shouldn't steal other people's stuff. That's number eight. We shouldn't steal other people's husbands and wives. Unless you're from Hollywood, that's number seven. What's number 10 in the list? Quit wishing you got what somebody else has got. It's called, what's it called? Covetousness. Our national pastime is covetousness. We built a nation on covetousness. It is a sin. You say, well, is it wrong to want what somebody else has got? What is the fruit of a covetous people? You begin to hate each other. And the division in our nation, the root of it is covetousness. Wishing I had what somebody else has got. Friend, it'll destroy a, it'll destroy a home. It'll destroy a nation. And we've got to make up our minds. I am not going to feel sorry for myself and I'm not going to be jealous over what God's given somebody else. Number two, you've got to trust and you've got to believe. I don't understand why that happened to me and I don't understand why I didn't have that, but God is going to be good to me. God is going to do good for me. And I'm his son or I'm his daughter and he's going to do good for me. John chapter 10, verse 10 said, Jesus came that I might have an abundant life. He's going to do it. God's going to do this for me. Third John verse two says this. I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. If he wishes it, God is going to keep me in health. I'm going to prosper on the inside and I'm going to prosper in my home. I'm going to prosper in my work. God is going to be good to me. And, and we just, it's just a choice. This is called faith. I'll never forget the first time I ever read Psalm chapter one. I said, I am a successful man. Blessed by God is the man who chooses not to walk in the way of the wicked we got that one. Stand in the path of the center, nor sit in the seat of the scorner. I'm not going to sit around and feel sorry for myself. But my delight's going to be in the law of God. And in that law, I'm going to meditate day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. He will not wither and whatever he does will prosper. If my God didn't want me to prosper, why'd he send me a book and tell me how to do it? And you, you got to make up your mind. I don't care what's happened to me, what people have done to me, where I've come from. God is going to even the score for me. That's called, that's called faith. Just believe that he'll do that. Number three, you got to start right where you are. How many people think if? If I get off the if stuff, start right where you're at. But you got to start. Listen to me carefully. You got to look up. Quit looking around. Quit looking around. Start looking up. Looking around will get you in trouble. It's one of the dumbest things we do, but to look around. I want to, I want to show you the, where we're in trouble. Turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. All right, one of the great mistakes we make, according to the Bible, is to compare ourselves to other people. Because you know, somebody's always got it better than you, but somebody's always got it worse than you. It, it is, and we're eat up with comparing ourselves today. You know, I can compare myself to a, this guy who's got this or this person who's got that. And I think, well, boy, pitiful me. I don't have what they got. If you live your life comparing yourself to other people, you're going to live miserable. Second Corinthians chapter 10, <clears throat> the Bible tells us in verse 12, second Corinthians 10, 12, we dare not measure ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. What the Bible says, I wouldn't dare compare myself to anybody else. God created me to be me. He didn't create me to have what you got or who you are or anything else. And where do we get in trouble in this land? You know why we have to have a new car? We saw somebody else got one. And we, we, we were fine. I never knew air conditioning existed until I was almost grown. Now we can't live without it. <laughs> I'll never forget the first time I ever saw air conditioning in a vehicle. And I thought, that's the dumbest thing I ever rolled the window down. <laughs> but our enemy works through what somebody else has got and says, look, look over there, look over there, look over there. Look, how, look what they got. Don't you dare live comparing yourself to anybody else. Quit looking around, start looking up. You start right where you're at. I don't care what you have. All right, I started out in life. I just graduated from college. I was very fortunate. I thought I was very fortunate to get to go to college. I graduated. I, didn't have a, I had a few dollars. 
And I was one of those people, I was determined. I'm not asking anybody for anything. And I had enough money to rent a small apartment and I got a job and uh, I didn't tell anybody. My parents would have gladly helped me. Folks would help me. But I, I forget exactly how much money I had. I think it was $8. And I had 10 days till I got paid. $8. I'm not about to ask for help. So I went to the store. I'm going to go grocery shopping with $8. Now you got to remember, this is 19, uh, well, it's been a long time ago. It's in the 19s, I'll tell you that. And uh, I went shopping and I, the best thing I, I, I had eight days, I think, till I got paid. So I bought 10 pounds of potatoes. That's all I could afford. And uh, I, I had to have a little money for gas to get back and forth to work. I took that 10 pounds of potatoes and I ate them for eight days. Morning, lunch, and evening. But let me tell you something. I did not feel sorry for myself. I thought I was the most blessed man in the world to be able to have his own apartment and to have a job. And I knew if you'll start at the bottom and have a good attitude, you'll, you can end up somewhere one day. And I'll never forget, I ate them potatoes. Uh, I, about the sixth day, I did get a little tired of them. <laughs> I was just glad to have them. I would, listen, I would have fasted for eight days before I'd asked for money. And then on finally, the eighth day, I got paid at lunchtime, went straight to the bank, cashed that check. And I don't know why I did this. I went straight to the bakery and bought me an eclair. I don't know what in the world. <laughs> but that was, the, that was the beginning of the end for me when I got on eclairs. I should have stuck with potatoes. But I just knew, because I knew the word of God, and I just knew, quit wishing you got what other people got. Take what God's given you and be grateful and look up and go on. And uh, this, this is scripture cause. It just says, Start right where you're at and look up. And dear ones, if you, now F land is down 85 that way. F land's not a bad place to live. Amen. If land will kill you. If only I had gotten to do this. If only they hadn't done that to me. If only I had what they had. If only I had a husband like she had. If only I didn't have. <laughs> America is stuck in if land right now and we're miserable. Pack yourself up and get out of if land. If only I had this. You got what you got. Start where you got and look up. Quit with this if I only. Trust God where you're at. And then uh, number four, and this is, this seems so small, but it is the key to God's promotion. You live grateful for what he's given you. You be grateful for what he's given you. I'm convinced the, the greatest key to divine promotion is to get grateful for what God's given you right where you're at. Now, all of us have got something we can whine about. Great. Two of you, amen it. I know what you do during the week. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have something you can be grateful for, and a lot of it. I'll never be the world's greatest football player, never be the world's greatest golfer. I don't even know which end of a club to grab. There's a lot of things I can't do well, but I am still in the running to be the world's most grateful man. And I have a revelation from scripture that God smiles on gratitude and, and it does something for him. All right, I'm gonna share from scripture something with you. There are two great tests you have to pass to be promoted by him. Now, dear ones, we're all his children. Everybody that's his child is his child. Everybody that's his child is going to heaven, but there are certain people he promotes and certain people he cannot promote. Now, he's not like the public schools where they pass you even if you can't spell your name. You have to pass two great tests to be promoted. And I can show you this all through scripture. Joseph passed them. Listen, let me help you right here. You got to pass two tests to be promoted. The first test is the test of gratitude. He wants to find out before I give you anything else, are you grateful for what I've given you? Are you going to whine about what you don't have? We need to be a grateful people. Matter of fact, the Bible is so clear. Listen to what the Bible said. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. You want to be where God is? Become thankful. Listen to how powerful this is. It's in the Bible twice. I'll pick 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And it's not because he's a hateful old man who wants to hear you be grateful. He wants to promote you. But gratitude brings promotion. And we need to be a grateful. You just choose gratitude and, uh, and do that. All right. <clears throat> but number two, 
until you reach the point to where instead of wanting what other people got, until you can celebrate what he gives other people, he can't promote you much. This is one of the great tests the Bible teaches us. Instead of wishing you had what other people got, you need to start celebrating what he gives other people. Let me show you one of the strangest passages in the Bible about this. Matthew chapter 20. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. I'll, this is one of my favorite three passages in the Bible that he's taught me so much from. And what we learn from this passage is how you respond to what he does for other people has a lot to do with what he can do for you. All right, Matthew chapter 20 is a wonderful passage. It begins verse one, the kingdom of heaven is like, here we go again. Jesus says, let me teach you how God deals with people. And I'm gonna paint a picture to show you how God deals with people. And now let me just summarize it for time's sake. It's like a man who owns a vineyard and he hires people to harvest the grapes. And he, he agrees for a contract and he agrees to pay them $120 a day. Now back then they worked 12 hour days. Today we work eight hours. Back then you worked 12 hours. You started at six in the morning, you worked till six in the evening. And he signed a contract with some workers. I'll pay you $10 an hour. I'll pay you $120, you work 12 hours. I right, hired him. He hired people at nine o'clock 12 o'clock, three o'clock, and then he hired some more people at five o'clock and he just needed to work one hour. Now listen, he had a contract with the first people, but the guys he hired at five o'clock, listen to what he said to them. Go work in my vineyard. I'll treat you right. He did not tell them what he'd do for them. I mean, you'd go to work for somebody not knowing what they was going to pay. There's that faith thing again. He said, just go to work in the vineyard. And he said, I'll, I'll do right. All right. Now listen, what happened at six o'clock, they quit working. And he called them all around. Listen what, the, listen what he said. He said, I want you to pay the laborers, but make sure that you pay those who worked one hour first. And listen what he said. Make sure that those who work 12 hours see what you pay them. Position them so that they'll see what I pay them. So they got in line there to pick up truck or whatever. And uh, those who worked one hour, he paid them $120. Somebody go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. It's not fair. Amen. Get over it. It's not fair. Somebody should write a song, get over it. He paid him up. But listen, here's the, here's, it's not about them. What's the passage about? He made sure that those who worked 12 hours saw it. He wanted to see how they'd respond to him being not fair. His generosity to somebody else. All right. They came up and they supposed, well, surely we'll get more. Let's put in about the, uh, Verse 10, but when the first came, they supposed they would receive more. They likewise received $120. When they had received it, they what? What's the word? Does it say complain? Y'all see the word complain in there? You look at your preacher. Listen to me. There's one thing you better stop doing if you want to live in this kingdom. You better quit complaining. Complaining will steal you. I mean, it'll rob you blind. You, can do, you, cannot, be, you cannot celebrate and complain at the same time. Right. I'm so mad. Hallelujah. That ain't right. Praise God. You didn't do right. Glory, glory. You just can't do both. You can't complain and celebrate at the same time. What are they doing? They're complaining. What are they complaining about? What'd they say? It's not fair. Listen to me. It wasn't fair. All right. Watch what happens. Now, remember, this is to tell us what God is like. This is about the kingdom of heaven. And they went on to say, verse 12, it's not fair. Verse 13, he answered and said to them, friend, I'm not doing you wrong. Can anybody here stand up and say, God has done me wrong? And listen, eternity will prove he's never done anybody wrong. All right, watch verse 14. Take what's yours and go your way. I wish to judge. It's not what it says. I wish to give. Demons, God's not wanting to judge people. God wants to give things to people. He said, I wish to give to this last man <clears throat> the same as to you. I choose to be unfair and bless people. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Let's settle this right now. If God wants to give me great health, the greatest woman that ever lived, the greatest church to pastor, a nice bass boat, you name it. Is that legal? I mean, is it not his? I mean, if God wants to be good to you, it's legal no matter what anybody says. So when people, I've had preachers say, you have no education. You don't have a lick of sense. You wear short britches to church. You cuss in church. How do you have such a great church? We've got earned advanced degrees and we act like we got sense and we're preaching to 30. You know what my answer to him is? No, 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 no. 
take it up with the king who owns it. When are we going to get off this? I want life. To, I don't want him to be fair to me. I want God to be good to me. And he said, he said I just want to be good. It's, law, it's legal. What's his words? Is your eye evil because I am good? There it is. Does it bother you when God blesses other people and he doesn't bless you? Can you see, the, you see what the lesson is here? If you want to be blessed, you need to get grateful when he blesses other people. And a lot of times he, listen, let me tell you what he'll do. Here's a test. He'll bless somebody right in front of you that don't deserve it and make sure that you see it. Just see how you respond. I like this lady preacher, which I know some of you don't believe in him. Her name's Joyce Meyer. And uh, Joyce makes people mad. She makes preachers mad. You know why? Because, you know, they went and paid all this money to get doctor's degrees and they can't get anybody to listen to them. And she's a neurotic, divorced housewife who never even went to college and the whole world's listening to her. I think it pisses them off. That's what it is. It's really just jealousy more than anything else. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, all right. She said, she said, now this is so embarrassing. But she said, I'm a brand new Christian and I heard about you can believe God for things. And, and of course, you know, this is way back years ago. I think she's 105 now. Way back years ago. But she heard this thing that you can ask God for things and he'll bless you with them by faith. So she wanted to believe God for a fur coat. Now, why in the world you'd want a fur coat? I'll just go out and shoot you something, and get you something with fur on it. But this was back when women wore fur coats. You know, it's not cool now. Peter's put into it. But back when women wore fur, does anybody remember women wore fur coats? Anybody old enough? All right, you wore fur coat, mink usually. Or, or you know, skunk. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, she's believing God for a fur coat and, and she's just holding on in faith. She said, I'm, I was so immature. I didn't know to believe him for anything that would help somebody. I said, I'm believing him for a fur coat. And she said, I'm doing right and, and uh, confessing my fur coat, yada, yada, and all that stuff I saw on TV, all that stuff. And she said, now I had a lady live beside me. She was a Christian and said she wasn't near as good a Christian as I was. <laughs> she didn't go to church like she should. She didn't serve in the nursery. You know, it's, you don't serve in the nursery. She, and she said, she just wasn't near as good a Christian as I was. And I knew it, but I didn't say anything to her. It's none of my business. And she said, all of a sudden one day, there's a knock at my door. And said, this lady came in with a big box. And said, I just got to show you what God gave me. Said, she opened the lid of that box and my fur coat was in that box. <laughs> and she said, look what God gave me. And she said, I was so mad. I said, oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. She said, I'm, said, I'm thinking, get her out of my house. And she said, I was so mad that I'm a better Christian and I'm believing for that fur coat and God sends it to the wrong house. Send it to her. Of course, she said, looking back now, that was so immature on my part. But she said, the whole point was, I never got my fur coat because I was so, my eye was evil because he was good to her and she didn't deserve it. Then when we can start celebrating the kindness of God to other people, then's when he opens the windows of heaven over us. You want him to raise you up, get thankful for what he's done for other people and celebrate his goodness for other people. And, and just <clears throat> listen to what the Bible says. Rejoice with those who rejoice. God blesses somebody, celebrate with them. Don't think, well, you don't deserve that. Celebrate with them. I'll never forget when I met my wife, we we're in college and the first weekend we met and we came, I came back in the dorm, a bunch of goobers hanging around, and, you know, goobers living in boys' dorms and and uh, one of them spoke up and said, you, you went out with Kay Lewis this weekend? And I said, yeah. And another one said, he said, what in the heck is she doing with somebody like you? And I just said, look, if she wants to go out with me, it's legal. I'm not, I'm not. And he, people are just so bothered that she would go out with somebody like me. You know what my answer is? No, 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 no. Just deal with it, doc. If he wants to be good to me, so be it. You can complain or you can celebrate, but you write your own ticket. I don't care where you've been. And listen, I really am sympathetic. I really don't understand why I've been blessed so much and other folks hadn't. I don't understand that stuff. None of us ever will. It's not important that we understand what's important is that we stay out of jealousy, stay out of complaining and trust God to be good to me and keep a proper attitude. And listen, he will, I don't care where you've been, he will raise you up. You stay in faith, he will raise you up. And uh, matter of fact, I had a little disadvantage when I went in the ministry. You know, I, I didn't have the education. I didn't have the polish. I, did, I didn't have a lot of things. And I was told by the experts, you're probably not going to make it. Well, you know, I didn't let that bother me because I had some inside information. 
Yeah, the inf inside information I had was came from 1 John chapter 4. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. That's my inside information. And I knew that if I would trust God, he was really all I needed to get anywhere in life. I didn't need a certificate or approval. I didn't even have to learn how to quit cussing before I started preaching. All I had to do was just learn how to trust God. And believe, listen to me. All you need is him. You trust him. I'm going to play a song for you. It'll close a little different tonight. Uh, I just, I heard this song and I love it. And it's a song about the unfairness of life. And you got to remember something, guys. You got to live with this thing in mind. So it's not fair that those, you got to remember something. God Almighty will have the final say. That's why Jesus said in that day, those who are first will be last and the last will be first. Don't, don't be wondering about how come they're first and I'm last right now. Live for eternity. The Father will have the final word and stuff. Y'all like Ben Rector? Great. Three of you like him. Y'all need to expand your horizons a little bit. He's not a Christian singer. He's a singer that's Christian. I'm starting to prefer singers that are Christian over Christian singers these days. They just wrote a great song. I'm going to play it for you. But also, it's, a, it's one of those dealing with your own attitude in life about other people. To learn not to look down our nose at people but to learn to be very humble with what God has blessed us with. And he tells a little story about how he wrote this song. And uh, it just speaks volumes about this very thing we're talking about, dealing the hand, playing the hand you've been dealt. Y'all got me cued there, boys? Let it rip, Tater Chip. They've asked me to play uh, a song that I wrote uh, that is about cab drivers. I'll give you a quick uh, sort of crash course on what the song is about. I know you've listened to a lot of people. I'm probably the worst speaker of all of them. Um, so basically, we're musicians, we travel often, um, and so I started talking to the people that would pick me up from the airport and take me to things like this, uh, initially because it was awkward to not say anything to someone for 30 minutes, and then uh, it turned out they're usually pretty fascinating. So the two guys this song is about, one of them, I live in Nashville, I was flying uh, to the west coast to play a show, and I had to get up really early, so I called the cab company and I was like, can I get a cab here at 5.30? And they were like, yes. So the next day, at 5.15, I get a phone call, and this guy uh, is on the other end. He's like, hey, please don't rush. I just want you to know I'm here. I was like, that is super professional, and you are pretty early. Uh, and so I got in the car, and I'm trying to make conversation with him, and I'm like, what do you do for fun? He's like, I don't have a lot of time for fun. You know, usually uh, after my driving shift, I take night classes because I want to be a computer programmer and I don't speak good enough English to do that. So I, I ask him another question like an idiot. I'm like thinking he's going to be like, and I play ping pong. And I'll be like, I love ping pong too. Um, and so I asked him, I was like, well, what do, you, what do you do after that? And he's like, well, you know, if my kids are still awake, I like to help them with homework. And I was just like, ugh. Because I, you know, was slightly frustrated I had to get up at 4.45 or whatever to fly somewhere to sing songs for people. And meanwhile, uh, Danny has showed up super early, has ironed his dress shirt, and is having like the best day of all time for so, like no reward. Um, and so I realized guys like Danny don't have any fans. And they should have fans. Way before I should have a fan, or anybody speaking should have a fan, Danny should have fans. So I wrote a song about it, and it's called The Men That Drive Me Places. And I hope you like it. drives a minivan to the cruise ships from Fort Lauderdale and it's been that way since 1994 does his business on a flip phone with the most obnoxious ringtones I didn't ask I could tell he's from New York he spoke proudly of his daughter and that this fall she'd be in college and that he always wished he got his degree You could tell he came from nothing Built a future out of hustling And somehow I'm the one you people pay to see Oh, isn't that just the way it goes You dealt a good hand 
you get celebrated. Oh, how am I the only one who knows I'm half the man of the men that drive me places? Danny showed up early, 15 minutes till 5.30 Making sure that I'd be on my morning flight He said he'd love to fix computers But that he can't until he's fluent so spends his driving money taking class at night He wore a neatly ironed dress shirt And he helps his kids with homework but Deep inside I couldn't help myself why that night I'm upon the stage everybody knows my name while Danny's early picking up somebody else oh isn't that just the way it goes you dealt a good hand you get celebrated oh how am I the only one who I'm half the man of the men that drive me places. And now everything's not given. I work hard to make a living. But I'll give credit where I think the credit's due. Maybe you got dealt a good hand. Maybe you play it the best that you can But I don't know how far I'd walk without those cars In Howard or Danny's working shoes That's just the way it goes You dealt a good hand And you get celebrated The only one who knows I'm half the man of the men that drive me places. Of the men that drive me places. Whatever hand you've been dealt, whatever hand you get dealt, make sure you stay in faith with it. Trust God, and he will raise you up and set you somewhere. Now, don't all of us in here have a lot to be grateful for? All right. Well, Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. I, I, the more I know about you, the less I understand. The further I go in life, the less I can figure it out. I don't need to understand. I just need to know you. And why in the world so many people that are such better people than me have not been given what I've been given? Lord, my own brother suffered all his life. Pain. Never had the chances I had. Wasn't his fault. I, I don't understand that. And I'll never blame you because I will never sacrifice what I don't know for what I do know. I will always trust you. And I, you've just been so good to me. I just... It's like I purposely tried to booger it up, but you've shown your great kindness. So I pray for everybody in this room tonight that they'll hear the simple message. Life is not fair. Quit wishing it was. Play the hand you've been dealt. Stay in faith. Trust God. Stay out of jealousy. Don't get bitter. Don't complain. Celebrate. And I thank you and praise you. You're just looking for some people who say, I don't have to understand. I have to trust you and believe that you will be good to me. And I just want to praise you and thank you. I just, the more I get to know you, the more I see from scripture, as we read tonight, I wish to give. You're just looking for somebody to be good to. As your word said in 2 Samuel, is there somebody I can show the kindness of God to? And I want to praise you and thank you. They first taught me that you were like the Wizard of Oz. You were looking for somebody to be mean to. 
but your word broke through and now I know that you're looking for somebody to be good to. And I want to praise you and bless you. Thank you so much. Lord Jesus, there's folks above me. More money than I have, more opportunities than I have. I bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you for being good to them. But Lord, there's a lot of folks below me, cab drivers, people that have been given the chances I have. I bless them in Jesus' name. And I thank you and praise you that you will make everything blessed and equal if people would just look up and walk by faith in you. I give you the praise and glory. You're wonderful. Strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.